I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. Have you been to any stores lately? If so, you know the holiday season is upon us. Just as soon as October 31st rolled around and uh, we went and took our kids out trick-or-treating, I mean, even before we got home from trick-or-treating, all the stores had switched over and it was officially Christmas. Well, it's not Christmas yet. It is, uh, it's not even Advent yet. That starts up next week after Christ the King Sunday. Uh, even so, the holidays are now upon us, Thanksgiving's next week, and all across the country, people are readying themselves to take part in tradition, whether it be something that they carried with them through their childhood, uh, or whether it be things that have been done more recently. But we're getting into the season of routine, and uh, it's the season, uh, we're so we're told, of peace and joy. And yet, for a number of people, the holidays bring on significant anxiety. Uh, anxiety because we have to make things perfect uh, for our children or for those who are around us. The holidays have to go perfectly. We're going to be around family. We've got to put our best foot forward. And therefore, uh, that creates no small bit of stress for some people. For others who have lost family, whether that be through, uh, through death or through severed relationships, this is a very difficult time. Because it stands as a reminder, while everyone else is going out and spending time with family, it stands as a reminder that they are alone. They feel this loneliness quite a bit more, uh, more pronounced than uh, at this time of year than at other times of year. And so today we're going to be talking with Dr. Kevin Vost. He's written a new book called The Catholic Guide to Loneliness, How Science and Faith Can Help Us Understand It, Grow From It, and conquer it. And that's available on Sophia Institute Press. We're going to have a conversation with him about the book uh, because I think that this is an important topic. We, we can spend so much time focused on uh, our own families and the, maybe the joy that we are experiencing during this time as we pull out the, uh, the decorations again and we see them and we reminisce. And we just assume that the holidays are a happy time for everyone. So I want us to turn our attention today to those who have a difficult time. Uh, and maybe that's you. And if so, I want you to know that you are not alone. Uh, our prayers are with you. Our thoughts are with you today. We're going to put, I, I encourage you, whoever you are, even if you're someone who's experiencing loneliness, I want you to this week pray for the intentions of those who are lonely. Because if you're lonely, uh, then that means someone else is going to be praying for you. But it also means that there's someone else who needs your prayers during this time. And you can pray with a very specific understanding because you have walked through it. You understand the difficulties and the cross that it is to bear this loneliness. And so as you pray for others who are experiencing this, you're going to do so with a, a certain power because you can accurately pray for this. And as you pray for them, realize that someone else is praying for you in this same way. And so it becomes a grace for you, one, because you are now uh, standing in solidarity with others, and it becomes a grace for you because you are recognizing that people are praying for you. I also want to encourage you, don't let anyone be alone. Don't make the assumption that, uh, that everyone has somewhere to go. Look around your parish tomorrow 
at mass and, and ask yourself, if you're staying at home for Thanksgiving, if people are coming to you, uh, ask yourself, do I have room for one more? Do I have room, maybe it's a family of three. Do I have room for that family at my table? Last week, we talked with Dr. Charlie Camosi about his experience with adoption, being an adoptive father. And one of the things he brought up was how it helped him to understand uh, a new and broader picture of family, more than just the immediate family, more than just biology and blood relationships. Uh, and, and it helped him understand how we, as the body of Christ, are a family. And so you have family sitting next to you in the pews. Maybe you haven't talked to them very often. Maybe you, you've never really even gotten up the courage because you can't remember their name and you don't know what to admit that. Uh, and so uh, the way that I handle that, by the way, is I just kind of hang around when they're having a conversation with someone else and I wait for someone else to say their name and then I say it. So if you've ever noticed me not saying your name, that's prob- probably why, uh, because I'm, I'm waiting for someone to say it. Every once in a while, I'll get up the nerve, but I understand that can be a little, uh, a little tricky. I know I've sat next to you for, you know, three years at Mass, but what is your name? Uh, but we are family with our parish, and we ought to be able to say, you know what, no one should be alone. Uh, all Parishes all over are, are taking the time to buy food and turkeys and baskets so that people uh, who are less fortunate can experience Thanksgiving. They can cook that feast, right? And so then we give those baskets away, and then we pat ourselves on the back because now that person's going to have uh, have a Thanksgiving for the families. And that is a good thing. I don't want to take away from that at all. But there's also, I think we need to to put a little skin in the game as well and say, you know what? There are plenty of people who don't have anyone to cook it for. They can't cook a meal that big for just themselves and they need a place to go. Uh, Last year, that was us as we were in Kentucky, and we had uh, some friends of mine from seminary who still lived in the area, and they invited us and a couple of other families, and there were four of us families that had no connection uh, to one another other than uh, this this one family that we were all uh, friends with. And so we came together, uh, not knowing anybody else, and we feasted together, and we shared stories of uh, our, what gave us joy and what gave us uh, what we were thankful for. And that's the kind of thing that, that I think helps us to grasp more fully the fact that we are brothers and sisters in faith. More than biology, more than the home you were born into, we have a family in the church. And even this year, we're back in Oklahoma. Uh, the, the vehicle that we have, it's wonderful. It gets us around from point A to point B here in town, but it's not going to make a long trip. And we, we just know that we can't uh, make that extended trip out to family this year. And so we're doing that same thing again. This year, we're inviting people that, that we know. Uh, and so we're kind of the, the locus point uh, where the people who are coming, they don't know one another, but they know us. And so we're going to have a family Thanksgiving but we're going to have it with people who have nowhere else to be. And so I encourage you, uh, talk with your spouse first because that's important. But then tomorrow, pray about as you're at Mass and, and be looking for who it is that needs you and needs your hospitality uh, to, to help them combat loneliness, to help them overcome this feeling of being isolated and alone. In the next segment, we're going to be talking with Dr. Kevin Vost about this and his new book, The Catholic Guide to Loneliness. But there's something else that's noteworthy, and I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up, that yesterday was the third anniversary of Outside the Walls. On November 17th, 2014, 
I, uh, I fired up the mic for the first time. <laughs> if you're really looking for punishment, by all means, go to that episode archive over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Scroll all the way down to the beginning and hear how much better I've gotten because I had no idea what I was doing uh, when I got talked into doing this show. Uh, but there it is. It's still there for, for posterity's sake for us all to look back and laugh. But when you've calmed down and the laughing subsides, go over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter, the handles at outside the walls and tell me what has been over these last three years, what have been your favorite, let's see, three to five episodes. What was the topic? What was the guest? Uh, what was it about those three to five shows uh, that, that you enjoyed so much. And if you'll do that for me and you take the time and you come over to social media and you let me know which uh, three to five shows were your favorite over these last three years, then I'm going to put you into a drawing uh, for a Christmas present, very special Christmas present from me at Outside the Walls to you, wherever you happen to be listening. But maybe that's not enough for you. Maybe you want to make sure that you are on my Christmas list. You don't want a chance at a Christmas present. You want to know that you're getting something from me. Well, that's easy to do as well. All you have to do is go over to OutsideTheWalls.com and click the Patreon link. And once you're there, uh, go ahead and click the support for $10, $10 a month, which helps us bring this show week in and week out. And in addition to all the other things that you get there, if you will join by the second Sunday of Advent, all right? If you join by the second Sunday of Advent, I guarantee you, you will get a present from me. Uh, there's the, a beautiful new book uh, by Scott Hahn that I want to put in your hands. So all you have to do is go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the support the show, the Patreon link, uh, and support us for $10 a month, and I will get that shipped right out to you with my undying gratitude. And lastly... If you are alone, if you feel lonely this holiday season and you don't know how you're going to make it, come over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls, Twitter, the handles at outside the walls, and talk to me. You'll be put on my prayer list. My family and I will pray for you every night by name and then also during our holy hour because I want you to know that you are not alone. And that's the topic of today's show, uh, how to deal with and overcome loneliness whether that loneliness is just a wistfulness or, or a sadness or whether it is almost incapacitating. And we're going to be talking today with Dr. Kevin Vost. He's got this great new book uh, that I spent the last week reading through. It's called The Catholic Guide to Loneliness, How Science and Faith Can Help Us Understand It, Grow From It, and Conquer It. So we're going to spend the next two segments just picking his brain, talking to him about how do we address our own loneliness and how do we fill the needs of those around us who are experiencing loneliness? Join the ongoing conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle's at outside the walls. Maybe share a story of your loneliness, maybe that you've already come through or maybe that you're still experiencing as we as a community can lift one another up in prayer together and support one another. Don't go anywhere. There's much more right after this break. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. 
I'm your host, Timothy Putnam, and today we're talking about loneliness. Ever felt it? Ever experienced these pangs of, of feeling out of place or, or rejected? Well, we're talking today with Dr. Kevin Vost. He's the author of a brand new book on Sophia Institute Press called The Catholic Guide to Loneliness, How Science and Faith Can Help Us Understand It, Grow From It, and Conquer It. Dr. Vost, thank you for being on the show today. It's my pleasure to be here with you today, Timothy. Talk to me a little bit about the need for a book like this, because I think a lot of times we begin to think, uh, I'm the only one who's experiencing these feelings, and yet you present uh, something completely different. Yeah, actually, the one line in there says, you know, if you are uh, lonely, be assured you are not alone. Uh, the statistics, of course, loneliness in some form has been with us, you know, forever. But but modern research statistics in the last several decades really drive home how much this problem is growing. And in fact, some researchers call it a looming epidemic. Just to put this in perspective, in the mid-1980s, the University of Chicago did a very nice national study asking people about their confidants, who it is they can confide in about the important things in their life. And they got details about who these people actually were, their relationships to the person, whether they're uh, a family member or a coworker, a friend, and, and so on. And in 1985, about one person in 10 said they didn't really have any close confidence, so just zero. Now, this was repeated about 20 years later, and that had risen from one person in 10 to one person in four. So 25% of the population in the early 2000s say they really don't have anybody to confide in. Now, since that time, there have been study after study in the United States and, and, and around the world, and most figures show that around a little over a third of the population at any time reports being pretty significantly lonely. So in the US, uh, United States at this point in time, just to put it in perspective, there would be over 140 million people who are lonely. You know, So if you're lonely, you're not the only one. And we may not be aware of it, but when we go out in the world, chances are we're, we're surrounded by people who are feeling lonely. Mm -hmm. And this is really an interesting statistic to me because during those 20 years, we see the rise of the information age where there's this promise through, uh, through technology that we'll find a greater connectedness. Do you see any, any correlation or maybe some causation between that, that information technology and this rise in loneliness? Uh, yes, I do. And, and not just me, of course, I base it on researchers throughout the decades, psychologists, uh, sociologists, uh, and so forth. And this was even documented towards the end of the 20th century, even with the rise of television. You know, before the computers became widespread, it was found that uh, excessive amounts of television viewing were leading to a disconnection in terms of uh, forming social groups, taking it part in political activities or, or church activities, things like that. So even television was found to have an impact there. Uh, in, a, in a book called Bowling Alone that came out in the year 2000, this was all documented. Now, since that time, we've really seen the rise of social media, of our mm -hmm. smartphones, a whole new kind of technology. And it seems in some ways to exacerbate the problem, even though it, you know, in some ways it holds a, a potential for greater connectedness than ever before, where we can have you know, hundreds or thousands of you know, friends on, on these social media sites. Uh, and yet the reality of the matter seems to be that it does tend to pull people away from the more meaningful relationships, you know, borrowing time, uh, a pulling from the face-to-face -face relationships that count. And there also can, there seems to have been a tendency with things like uh, moving to smartphones and then to texting where people are becoming kind of less and less comfortable 
with not only face-to-face -face conversation, but sometimes even telephone conversations. So texting, for example, for young people tends to become uh, the norm. And we see a, a greater diversity of interest. People uh, are be able to connect with, with all the information in the world. But in doing that, there's also this this lack of specificity, right? We we now don't pay attention to one thing for an extended period of time. We pay attention to a, a numerous amount of things in that same amount of time. Yeah, ab absolutely. Uh, I think, you know, our attention is fleeting like never before. And maybe later we can get into the kinds of traditions, but there's a uh, St. Thomas Aquinas talks about a vice of curiositas or curiosity, where just caring too much about things of the world, where we're distracted, we're spending all our time focusing on the things that don't really matter much and pulling us away from the things that really do matter, uh, which includes, you know, really forming and nourishing close, you know, bonds with our family members, with our friends, with fellow parishioners, co-workers, and so on. If you're just joining us, we're talking today with Dr. Kevin Vost, author of the new book, The Catholic Guide to Loneliness. And in this book, you start off with the, the clinical side of things. You look at the, the secular research, really going all the way back uh, to the first and second century uh, and earlier with some of the, the philosophical writings there. Then you take us step by step through uh, bringing it into the church and then bringing it into the practice of virtue and 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 so forth. We'll get into that a little bit more later, but talk to me a little bit uh, about friendship. We'll start there. Uh, you know, we, we see St. Thomas Aquinas, we see uh, uh, Plato and Aristotle talk about um, the benefit and different kinds of friendship that I think that we have maybe lost sight of a little bit. Uh, one of the things that we do to counteract loneliness is to to engage in these deep relationships. How do you see, uh, what, what's a good step to begin reclaiming that art of friendship in today's society? Yeah, yeah, I think one thing, you know, especially for Catholics, is to realize that the beautiful Catholic heritage in this very topic of friendship. Uh, I talk in there about two of the great classical treatments of friendship in Aristotle and in Cicero, and then the fact that centuries later, two great Catholic saints, you know, really built upon them, uh, St. Aylward of Riveau, uh, 12th century Cistercian abbot uh, over in England, was just really, uh, really moved by Cicero's writing on friendship before he became converted to the faith, before he became an abbot. And he wrote a book called Spiritual Friendship that really Christianized that, that shows how friendship, a good natural friendships are a good thing, you know, but but they're totally perfected and transformed in Christ. You know, when two of us are gathered together, you know, there's Christ in our midst. So, so Christ can really be the, the, the center of friendships that really count between people. Thomas Aquinas did a similar thing uh, in, in to Aristotle's writing on friendship. When he talked about the theological virtue of charity in his Summa Theologica, he starts off by saying how, how charity, the love of charity, is really a friendship with God. So in some very fundamental ways, you know, friendship— you know, with God is just the, at the center of what it is to be a Catholic Christian. And of course, we know that Christ told us, you know, we're to love God with all we are, but also our neighbor as ourself. Right. So, so that love of God, you know, is intended to flow out to those around us. Now, one of the things that I really kind of noticed in, in the first chapter, you, you talk about how we think about our relationships uh, more than even, you know, we, we tend to think of cause and response uh, cause and reaction, and you you talk you add something in the middle there, and you say not every cause directly causes the the outcome. There's something that we have 
uh, in the middle that we can influence the outcome. Uh, so talking about friendship, we have uh, a sense of loneliness comes very often from a sense of rejection. Um, yes. And yet the sense of rejection isn't necessarily uh, empirical. There's, we have influence over whether an event can cause us to feel that rejection. So just uh, address that a little bit uh, for give people kind of a sneak taste, uh, a sneak peek at the book. Sure, sure. You know, coming from my background in psychology, you know, in the early 20th century, the behaviorists really kind of held sway that talked about this stimulus response psychology, mm -hmm. where you're so focused on what happens in the outside world. And, and all of us, in, in some way, we tend to hold this when someone does something, we say, hey, I don't like that. You made me angry. You know, yeah. the idea that someone else's action automatically produces a certain emotional response in us. And what is one simple example I give that can bear on loneliness is I just have a person imagine that your friend Sally you see her walking on the other side of the street, you wave to her and smile, but she just keeps on walking, you know, just kind of doesn't ignores you and moves on. You know, we, we might at that point, you know, be sad or angry or feel rejected, you know, um, and it seems like it's automatic. You know, I wave, she totally ignores me, so I'm sad, you know, or I'm feeling lonely at this point in time. But then, then you know, we say, well, what happens later if you find out that uh, Sally had just come back from her eye doctor. Her eyes were dilated. She didn't couldn't see clearly. She didn't know that was you, you know. Or, or wait a minute, here comes Sally on your side of the street. Oh, that wasn't Sally. That was somebody that looked like her. You know, it's clearly showing you you're not going to be so so sad and angry again uh, because your your interpretation of the situation has changed. And and cognitive therapists do go kind of one step beyond this. They want to say not only should you make sure that your reactions are are based on accurate views of reality, but even if they are. You know that, yeah, that really was Sally, and she decided she's going to ignore you today. Mm -hmm. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to feel a certain way about that, that you're going to be mad at her or feel dejected. It might even give some, some kind of concern. Well, I wonder what's going on in her life. Is there some way I can reach out to her or pray mm -hmm. for her? So that's kind of the bottom line idea that, that for any kind of emotional reaction, including loneliness, we need to make sure our thinking is accurate. And research has also found that people who tend to stay lonely for a long time when it becomes severe, they tend to get, their thinking tends to become distorted in certain ways where they interpret things more negatively. So one of the more effective approaches in modern psychology is to work on people's thinking. So their emotions are more in line with reality. Mm -hmm. And so it better enables them to, to act out and reach out and take risks uh, to reconnect with people. Well, as, as scripture says, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so in that same way, we, we have the opportunity to look at these, uh, these stimuli and to look at the reaction that we have and to evaluate it. And this is a lot of what you talk about in the book is taking the time to reflect on those individual actions to say, really, is this the best response possible? Am I, am I responding in the most fulfilling way for me and, and the most beneficial way uh, at large? And from that reflection, we can reevaluate we can reinterpret that situation uh, and perhaps find a way out of that loneliness. We're talking today with Dr. Kevin Vost, author of The Catholic Guide to Loneliness, How Science and Faith Can Help Us Understand It, Grow From It, and Conquer It. Available now on Sophia Institute Press. We've got a lot more coming right after the break, so don't go anywhere. In the meantime, join the continuing conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. I'd love to hear from you. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications and foundations of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today we're talking with Dr. Kevin Vost. He's the author of The Catholic Guide to Loneliness, How Science and Faith Can Help Us Understand It, Grow From It, and Conquer It, uh, available now on Sophia Institute Press. Dr. Vost, thank you again for being a part of the show. Uh, you're most welcome, Timothy. So we're talking about loneliness. It seems maybe a little bit apropos this time of year. We know that uh, the, the feelings of loneliness uh, increase during the holidays. Uh, we know that uh, you, know, you see more suicides. You see more uh, acting out on that loneliness during this time. And so uh, whether you are the one experiencing loneliness or it's someone very close to you, uh, this is a book that will help you understand it and help you not only in yourself deal with it, but help you as you reach out to others who are currently experiencing it as well. So we talked uh, just before the break a little bit about how our own thinking can affect uh, the, the way that we experience loneliness. Uh, I recall a, a phrase that we used to use in pre-Cana as we're talking with these couples who are just about to get married. And we say, uh, to the extent that your expectations differ from reality, frustration is the result. And so we want to have our expectations as close to reality as possible uh, so in the case of, of the case study you mentioned of Sally who ignored us on the street, how do we go about correcting our, uh, our incorrect expectations and bringing them closer to in, in line with reality to counteract loneliness? Sure, sure. And this is one of the goals that, that uh, cognitive psychotherapists often use because for so many of us, you know, we tend to have that like knee-jerk response. Something we perceive as negative happens. We we feel bad or we get angry or, or it intensifies our loneliness. So we want to train ourselves to catch these automatic tendencies to do that. They're referred to as automatic thoughts, you know, to kind of slow ourselves down. If we think about it from a Catholic perspective, you know, it's really exercising the faculties that God gave us, made in his image as beings with intellects and souls, because we're not like the lower animals that just automatically react automatically react based on their instincts or their training and we're not like the angels that get instant intuition you know if we're going to accurately assess the situation we have to slow down and think about it one step at a time reason our way through you know god designed us that way in fact uh, the natural virtues thomas aquinas writes about them as you know bringing our passions and emotions and wills in line with right reason so that is one thing we can do if we find that we're, something happens and we're feeling upset is to really examine what we're telling ourselves, the kind of self-talk uh, that, that we're you know, giving ourselves after that incident to see if that really is accurate and to see if that really is something that's going to help alleviate our loneliness or just bring us uh, further down. Because mm -hmm. part, part of the goals then of thinking more accurately about loneliness, well, for say, example, some of the research would try to treat lonely people in social skills, build their social skills, mm -hmm. make sure you make eye contact, say hello and stuff. And But chances are most people who are lonely already do have those skills, but it's their thinking, distorted thinking tendencies that are holding them back. So one thing to do if you're feeling down because uh, you're lonely is to, to try to examine your thoughts and, and figure out why. Because, you know, there, there can be objectively valid reasons to be lonely. You know, a person may be bereaved or, or a child has moved to a new school or a young adult has moved away to college or to a new job and doesn't have those social connections like before. So there can be, you know, real things that are triggering loneliness. But we have what we have to do is make sure we're thinking about them in accurate ways that it doesn't immobilize us, even though there may be a true basis for feeling that way. And you mentioned a little bit earlier, I want to dig into that a little bit, that not only are there ways that we can correct our thinking about it, 
uh, as, as secular uh, psychologists would tell us. But, but the practice of the virtues can also draw us out of that and into a healthy relationship. So you mentioned you really go through all the virtues, uh, but just kind of give us a, a, a taste of how the virtues can actually bring us into a, a better frame of mind and into, into relationship. Sure, I'll just briefly highlight a few, maybe a couple, a couple of the natural virtues, uh, like fortitude or, or courage. And if we really try to develop that in ourselves, our ability to, do, to do, obtain goods by doing difficult things. In context of loneliness, it could be a lonely person who's saying, boy, it hurts for me to, to reach out to someone right now, or somebody invites me to do something. I don't really feel like doing that, but to say, you know, I'm going to exercise that fortitude and do it anyway, to, to kind of train ourselves to do hard things. Another one is the, the virtue of justice, just giving each person their due. In a very minimal sense, we can say, well, I'm just when I don't take anything that's yours. You know, we can think in terms of monetary uh, a value in terms of like legal justice. Mm -hmm. But also we can think as Catholics, you know, what do we owe each, each other? You know, it, not only in matters of money, but we owe each other uh, a recognition of each other's dignity. We owe each other person respect, attention, you know, kindness. And especially, as you mentioned, around the holidays, who knows how many people we encounter who are really feeling down and lonely at this time. So maybe the smallest gesture of friendliness we make to them or just, just acknowledging them, mm -hmm. making that eye contact, saying hi, could make a real difference to that person. Yeah. So we're talking about loneliness today. Catholic Guide to Loneliness is a new book available on Sophia Institute Press. We're talking with the author, Kevin Vost. And so we're talking a lot about how we think about loneliness, how we think about our relationships, but I also want to talk about how we think about being alone, because being alone doesn't necessarily have to be a cause of distress or of anxiety or pain. Uh, the idea of solitude is one that's been searched out throughout uh, the Christian tradition, uh, as even Jesus Christ himself would say he went alone to a solitary place and prayed. So what benefit can solitude offer us, and how can even solitude help us overcome loneliness? Yeah, great questions, uh, Timothy. It's been said that, you know, loneliness is the pain of being alone, and solitude is the joy of being alone. You know, we, we can be lonely even in the midst of a crowd mm -hmm. if we feel disconnected, but also we can be there by ourselves, even for extended periods of time at times, and not feel lonely when we're, when we're practicing our faith and sensing that connection with, with God. We're using that time to, to commune with God, to know that we're never truly alone. God's always there with us. The angels were always connected to the to the whole you know, body of Christ uh, and the church. So, of course, yes, in our Catholic history, there's an incredible number of wonderful examples of people who purposely sought out periods of solitude to grow in their faith, then often to come back in the world and bring great benefits to people. We have, it, of course, the, the original model of Christ himself going out to the desert. We have the, the famous desert fathers of the early centuries in Egypt, Syria, and Turkey, and so forth. He would spend great periods of time there. Some of the great Irish saints from around the 5th and 6th centuries or so were known for going out in the woods and spending time alone. Uh, a little bit closer to our time, St. Catherine Siena is an example of a saint who sought out solitude, but, but not by having to go to a desert or a secluded woods, but within the room of her parents' house. So she spent about three years spending great periods of time, you know, in that room, communing with God. She had, in her case, you know, she had uh, mystical revelations, mm -hmm. and she uh, ecstasies as she contemplated God. But then she came out into the world and was social, socially connected. She influenced popes. The, the group that formed around her called her mother. And there's just countless other examples of this, of great you know, Catholic saints who, who've embraced being alone and have done great works for God 
through those time periods of being alone with God. And so to an extent, would you say that the difference between loneliness and solitude uh, is basically the object of our ruminations? That when we are lonely, we're ruminating on our lack of connection and, and on our own uh, interior pain. And when we are in solitude, we're turning our contemplation and our attention to, uh, to Christ and to God and to the, to the virtues. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. You know, for, for a Catholic, that is one of the forms of the distorted thinking. You know, we're focusing on all these negatives, we're focusing on ourselves and our own misery and forgetting that God is always there for us. Uh, so a very relevant point there. So what would you say to a person who is currently uh, going through this right now? They're stuck in the middle of uh, rejection, abandonment, um, some interior pain that no one notices them at all, and they feel utterly alone. Obviously, you've got a lot of great information in this book, Catholic Guide to Loneliness. They can find some practical information there, but what's a first mm -hmm. step before they go to Sophia Institute Press and, and pick <laughs> this up? What's a first step to begin uh, entering into uh, a positive way of thinking even about their current situation? Sure. I, I maybe can start and say if the person is so profoundly lonely that it's turned into a depression, you know, and, mm -hmm. and they're at a very dark time, if they're incapacitated or considering self-harm, then you want to make that make your doctor aware of that or a mental mm -hmm. health counselor because people who are lonely you so often do not admit it, and often the mental health practitioners don't go digging for that. Uh, if, if it is not so profound, also I would say reach out to those. If you do have people close to you, your family members, friends, maybe reach out and let them know you're feeling that way because it's kind of one of the common characteristics of the lonely too is they rarely admit it. Uh, it's, and it's such a, you know, it can be such a painful thing. They found that even mental health practitioners who themselves have felt lonely at times tend to forget it, you know, once once they're past that time period. So I would say it would be the first thing would be to, to reach out to someone, you know, let them know you're suffering. Uh, I think also if a person has the capacity, one of the best things they can do when they're feeling lonely, if it's been prolonged, is to make themselves aware of the other lonely people around them. Mm. And, you know, that way they can uh, empathize with them and make a kind of a mis uh, ministry to reach out and help alleviate their loneliness, which, of course, is also uh, going to impact their own. Yeah. I saw a recent story uh, from the Netherlands about a, a guy who posted on the Internet. He said, hey, I'm alone and I'm feeling really down right now. I'm going to be on the steps at this time, uh, at this location, if anyone wants to just say hi. And there were like 30 people who showed up there and took him out to dinner and, and uh, created a community. And he's actually created a, a social network. I'll post that over on my social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. So you can take a look. I also want to want to make sure that if you are not experiencing loneliness, we can be really busy this time of year. Uh, and it can be very easy to get caught up in all the tasks we have to do. But ask yourself the question, is there someone I haven't heard from in a while? Is there someone who, who may be having a difficult time at this season of life? Reach out to them. Invite them to your Thanksgiving if they're not already. Uh, find some way to get invested in their life uh, because you just may be the answer that God has for them. We've been talking today with Dr. Kevin Vost, author of The Catholic Guide to Loneliness, available on Sophia Institute Press. Make sure you get a copy, get a couple of copies. Give it away for Christmas this year. Join the ongoing conversation over at Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. And don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on our daily lives. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. We've been talking today with Dr. Kevin Vost, author of a brand new book, The Catholic Guide to Loneliness, available right now on Sophia Institute Press. I bet if you order it now, you still get it in time for Christmas. Go ahead and take a look there, sophiainstitute.com. And as you were listening to the conversation today, perhaps you decided to go out and buy the book. If so, excellent. Uh, But maybe someone popped into your mind and you thought, you know, they would really benefit from this conversation. Well, I want to encourage you, uh, send them a link. Send them a link to our archives. All of our episodes are archived from our very first episode three years ago, uh, yesterday, all the way up until today's uh, episode. It's available at OutsideTheWalls.com. Just click the episode archive link and it'll take you, this will be the Today's episode will be right at the top uh, for easy access. So we're talking today about loneliness. Perhaps it's something that you are currently experiencing or have experienced at some other time or someone that you know and love is experiencing. Uh, the, The numbers would suggest that you know someone who's in the midst of this right now. And what I want to leave this show with is, first of all, that there you are not alone. They are not alone. Loneliness is at epidemic levels now as we are becoming more and more uh, connected online with those superficial connections. We become less and less connected uh, and really don't necessarily feel like we're in the right place, that we don't have our place to be and to belong. And so you're not alone in that. It's it's a common uh, experience these days. But the other thing that I want to say is not only are you not alone, but there is hope. Uh, we are the family of God, and and in that family, we have the place of belonging. And it may take time to figure out exactly how that works out, and it, it may not feel like it every single Sunday, but you belong in your parish. Uh, you are a member of the family of God. And and through that relationship to God, as we've been reconciled to God the Father and adopted into his family, we now have a place of belonging. We now have a place of hope. And today's uh, readings, both from church history and from scripture, really, I think, nail home uh, that that thing, that there's hope, that, that one message, that wherever you are and whatever you're dealing with, there is hope. Today's first reading comes from the Book of Wisdom, and it's directed to the children of Israel who are remembering that when they were at their uh, most oppressed, God came and delivered them. And this, this goes for us just as much as we are oppressed by, uh, by feelings of abandonment or loneliness or whatever the case may be, whatever it is that oppresses us, our God comes to deliver us. And so we, we hear this story of that deliverance. When peaceful stillness compassed everything, and the night in its swift course was half spent, Your all-powerful word from heaven's royal throne bounded, a fierce warrior into the doomed land, bearing the sharp sword of your inexorable decree. And as he alighted, he filled every place with death. He still reached to heaven while he stood upon the earth. For all creation in its several kinds was being made over anew, serving its natural laws that your children might be preserved unharmed. The cloud o'ershadowed their camp, and out of what had before been water, dry land was seen emerging. Out of the Red Sea, an unimpeded road, and a grassy plain out of the mighty flood. Over this crossed the whole nation, sheltered by your hand, after 
they beheld stupendous wonders. For they ranged about like horses and bounded about like lambs, praising you, O Lord, their deliverer. That reading again comes from the Book of Wisdom, and it gives us a slightly different perspective on the Passover and the Exodus. And all throughout Scripture, we get these pictures of, of creation, the creation story, the narrative, and of the Exodus, where God delivers his people. Uh, we see it in the Psalms, we see it in the Book of Wisdoms, we see it throughout the different genres of writing, because one thing that God wants his people to know is that he is faithful. He did it before, and he'll do it again. So that's something important for us as we are experiencing our own afflictions, whatever they may be. Uh, they can look overwhelming as we're stuck right in the middle of them. But we have to look back in order to look forward. We look back and we see, what is God's track record? And God's track record is that he is a God who delivers his people. And so if you're right there in the midst of difficulty, you have to look back and remember, see those places in your life where you have been delivered and say, you know what? God delivered me then. He'll deliver me now. And maybe you are having a hard time remembering the, your own story. And so that's when you look back even further and you look to the stories of the saints and the people of God and you say, okay, uh, God has a track record beyond my own limited experience. And God's track record is that he is a God who delivers his people. Our reading from church history today comes from St. Gregory of Nyssa. And it's a commentary on the Song of Songs, but it's this beautiful section, this beautiful passage uh, that I think speaks to belonging, that we, even though we may feel it, we are not alone because we have a, a communion with God. Where do you pasture your sheep, O good shepherd, you who carry on your shoulders the whole flock? For it is but one sheep, this entire human race, whom you lift onto your shoulders. Show me the place where there are green pastures. Let me know restful waters. Lead me out to nourishing grass and call me by my name so that I can hear your voice. For I am your own sheep. And through that voice calling me, give me eternal life. Tell me you whom my soul loves. This is how I address you because your true name is above all other names. It is unutterable and incomprehensible to all rational creatures. And so the name I use for you is simply the statement of my soul's love for you. And this is an apt name for making your goodness known. Very dark though I am, how could I not love you, who so loved me that you laid down your life for the sheep you tend? No greater love can be conceived than this, that you should purchase my salvation at the cost of your life. Show me then, says the bride, where you tend your sheep, so that I may find the saving pasture and be filled with heavenly nourishment. For whoever does not eat this food cannot enter eternal life. Let me run to you, the spring, and drink the divine draught that you cause to pour forth for the thirsty, offering water from your side opened by the spear. Whoever drinks of this becomes a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. If you feed me thus, then you will surely make me lie down at noonday, and I shall at once 
sleep in peace, resting in a light that knows no shadow. Indeed, there is no shadow at noon, for the sun shines directly over that summit where you make those you tend lie down. And take your children with you to your bed. No one is judged worthy of this noonday rest who is not a child of light and of the day. But if anyone makes himself equally distant from the shadows of daybreak and those of nightfall, that is, from the origin of evil and its conclusion, the Son of Righteousness makes him lie down at noontide. Show me then, says the bride, how I should lie down. Show me the path to this noonday repose, lest my ignorance of your truth cause me to stray from your good guidance and consort with flocks which are strangers to yours. Thus speaks the bride, anxious about the beauty God has given her and seeking to learn how her comeliness may continue forever. That reading comes from St. Gregory of Nyssa. It's a commentary on the Song of Songs. And how apt this is, this, this longing, this desire, and really this ignorance. You know, we, we think we know, we have theology, and we have, uh, we have our study, we have our reading, we have the, the truth that the Church has given to us, but even as she gives it to us, there's so much we don't understand. There's so much about God's goodness that mere theory cannot fully explain. And only through experiencing it are we going to be able to know that God is a delivering God, that God is a God who protects his people and brings them through difficulty. And I know, I know that it's hard when week after week and month after month you wait for the provision and the deliverance of God and you don't see it. But the scripture says that he or she who endures to the end will be saved. Don't give up. Even if you haven't seen it for months, don't give up because it could be tomorrow. God is a God who delivers. You know, the children of Israel waited for, for centuries. They waited 400 years after going to Egypt before they were delivered. And yet they were delivered. And so it may feel to you uh, like you've been waiting in in exile or in oppression for forever. But the delivering God is coming. God knows where you are. He's not forgotten you. You are not alone. And he will lead you to green pastures. He will make you lie down by quiet waters. He will restore your soul. Remember to come over to social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. And let me know how I can be praying for you. Uh, we will be praying for you this holiday season. Also, let me know your three favorite shows over the last, uh, three to five favorite shows over the last three years, and we'll put you in the uh, in the running for a drawing for a Christmas present from me. Or go over and support us through Patreon over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Click the Patreon link and automatically get a Christmas present from me. No, no drawing necessary. That's all the time we have for this week. This week's show was made possible by an anonymous, very generous donor. Join the ranks over at OutsideTheWalls.com. Click that Patreon link. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.